Hi, my name is Ben Buddy Slack, and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project. The Swan Song Project is a charity that helps people facing the end of their lives to write and record their own original songs. I've started doing a series of interviews with songwriters, asking them to give us a bit of an insight into their process for writing songs, give some tips for people who might be interested in writing their, their own song for the first time, perhaps, and also to give a bit of an insight into how music may have helped them deal with a bereavement or a loss in the past. This is episode one featuring Rob Crisp, or Ribcourt as his uh, stage name is, and I hope you enjoy it. Today I'm here with Rob Crisp, who is a uh, very good friend of mine. Rob's a great musician and songwriter in his own right, he plays in a band called Knuckle, a great band. And Rob's also uh, involved with community music works. I mean, we've worked together on a lot of projects over the years, uh, writing songs with various groups of people. I was thinking the other day, I don't know, like yeah, how many how many songs with how many people we've been involved with over the years, but it will be a lot. It must be triple, <laughs> must be triple figures. Yeah, probably, quite likely. Uh, so yeah, so I'm very happy he's joining us today for the first of these Swan Song Project interviews. I'm planning to do these fairly regularly, particularly during this period, and then hopefully we'll uh, continue them afterwards as well. Um, these are going to be in three sections. So I've asked my guests to uh, prepare a song, one of their songs that we're going to form for us. We're going to have a little chat about how they wrote that song. Then section two, uh, they're going to give us a, a songwriting tip, what they'd, uh, some advice they would give to a new songwriter, so just getting started. And then section three is going to be, I've asked them all to choose a song that means something to them uh, regarding end of life and loss and, and bereavement so it could be um, a song specifically dealing with that or it might also just be a song that reminds them of a particular person so there are the three sections um, we're going to get started with Rob's going to play us play us a song it is anything you want to add to that intro Rob before we get started thanks for joining was, us by the way it was the perfect intro excellent I would say it was very very <laughs> very off the cuff <laughs> um so yeah, do you want to? I'm going to put Rob on the big screen. Hopefully that works for the recording. This is our first time testing this out, but I think it should work fine. And then you can introduce your song, and then we'll have a little bit of a chat about it afterwards. Cool. Uh, this is um, LLAP. Oh myself, what have I done? Oh, 
wrong with the one person clap yeah yeah that's what it's i'm used to familiar feeling for some musicians <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great Rob. thanks it feels it does feel quite nice for like my own little private concert when yeah, we're well, recording this <laughs> i mean i've got more <laughs> yeah <laughs> just keep going um what can you tell us about that then so that was llap you say that was called llap uh yeah man uh i was gonna cheat and i was gonna use that as the song that i picked that uh, for, for the for the third section of the interview, um, because that is a song about end of life and grief and, um, but then I didn't cheat. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll play that one and we can have a little chat about that one, and then I'll do what you actually asked me to do and, and pick a proper song. Yeah. L L A P was how Leonard Nimoy used to sign off his tweets. Okay. Uh, live long and prosper. Uh, and I wrote that song the day that Leonard Nimoy died because I was confused about how upset I was that a famous person had died. Someone who I'd never met, but someone who I'd spent a lot of time with and had taught me a lot about life, really. It's really nerdy, I know. Um <laughs> I suppose the 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 thought process is something that I've used a lot in my music. Uh, that that the way that you deal with grief, both close to you and sort of distant from you, but close to you in a weird way. But then, um, yeah, I wrote that five years ago. I think that's when Leonard Nimoy died. But then a couple of years after, my granddad died, who shared a similar um pedestal as Leonard Nimoy only I actually knew him uh, and he was the guy that you know paid for me to have music lessons when I was younger and supported me in all the music making accompanied me on piano I used to play clarinet I still play clarinet not often um and I found myself playing that song after it had happened and it made me feel better somehow um, I mean, we, there's loads of stuff in there. I, I think at the time, I don't know if I was thinking it at the time, but me and you have both spoken before about um, uh, Nick Cave's thing of the, you can only write songs about three things, love, God and death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I realised that that song was about all three. Really trying to cram it in. Um but yeah, that's where that song kind of comes from. The, f the first line, Oh Myself, What Have I Done, uh, is something that I got off a piece of artwork at Hoop. There was a, a painting used to be up on the wall at Hoop, and someone had drawn this big picture of earth and space around it, and there was a picture of God in the bottom right-hand corner saying, Oh Myself, What Have I Done? And then there was a Starship Enterprise in there and stuff like that as well. Nice. So I'll kind of connect. From looking at that picture, yeah, yeah, I love that song. I genuinely, I, I, I make a joke a lot when I play live. This is the best song I've ever written, and I say it in front of almost every song because <laughs> joke cockiness is hilarious. It is. 
Uh, but I actually maybe think with that one, that song expresses a lot of things that yeah. I genuinely feel. And it isn't like, yeah, I really like what you said there about, well, one thing, I mean, the the death of celebrities and how that can affect you. Um, I mean, not necessarily celebrities, I guess, but just people that you, yeah, that you, you know distantly. I remember one of the ones for that that really struck me was um, Clarence Clemens, you know, uh, Springsteen saxophone player. And with the day he died, that was because that was, that was quite a while ago now. I was yeah. quite a bit younger. And I remember just being like, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure out how, why I felt as down as I felt. Because again, the same thing. I was like, I've not, I've never met this guy. Yeah, he, he, he has no idea who I am, but I feel like I know him well. And I spent a lot of time. He's given me a lot of, a lot of enjoyment, I guess, watching, uh, watching him perform, listening to his music. I mean, more often than not, it's musicians, isn't it? People that you've so. But I think people can 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 understand it when you talk about Bowie, yeah, or, or Freddie Mercury. You know, those people that are still having huge impacts on people's lives, and you spend a lot of time with those people. You know, listening to their music, especially now. You, know, you can listen to music wherever you are, and I I do. So you're walking around living your life with these people in your head and then when they disappear and you know there's going to be nothing else from them that's one of the things isn't it so like because in some ways it's like you know you've still got their music which is beautiful like you can still listen to and still get continue to get that enjoyment but knowing that there's not going to be anything added to that i mean obviously in some cases there still is you know previous unreleased stuff but nothing new nothing new produced from it is yeah it's a but it's one of the things with grief isn't it like it's it you can't predict how it's going to hit you and why a certain thing will hit you more than another one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, like I say, when, when my granddad died, I played that song to myself. Um, and it was interesting then to have a, a different viewpoint on it. Yeah. I suppose that was the first really it was it was one of those really early. We lost my other nan a while ago, and that was hard. But like I say, with the amount of the similarities and just the the friendship that me and my granddad had was very difficult to lose, uh, and it gave me a real different outlook on that song and what that song means. And you know, he was a very religious person, and and I'm not particularly i don't know what i am really yeah uh comes and goes um but that that song really for me is about um if there is someone up there choosing they're not choosing it's not a choice you wouldn't take these people away if you didn't have to Mm. um uh no choice when uh, oh myself, what have I done? You live Oh myself, what have I done? No choice when taking the ones that love and are loved so long. Yeah, is 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 that's the line in there that I'm really like that really hits the nail on the head about how I feel and how someone else might feel about. That. Yeah, that's really good. That's a really powerful line there. Such a great line. I have to sing the rest of the song to get to it, but look at the songs. <laughs> I've got four lines in. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, thanks for that, Rob. Uh, really good stuff. Um, let's move into section two, shall we? So uh, I've asked people to come up with a tip of what they would give 
give new songwriters or people just getting started on songwriting. And I'm very interested to, like I said, me and Rob have worked together with a lot of people writing their first songs. Um, I know Rob's full of good advice and good good ways of helping bring that creativity out. So I'm interested to hear what you've chosen for this one. Oh man, no pressure. <laughs> I know exactly what this tip is and it's not anything clever, but it is the most important thing. When I started, I've done music for a long time and I've written music for not as long, nearly as long. But when I started doing songwriting workshops, I realized that I needed to write more songs. Um, I was running songwriting workshops and I'd got four or five songs that I could play all the way through start to finish that I'd written and was happy with. Uh, and I said to myself, I'm just going to need just to sit down and write. Um, and I did. Uh, and actually, it's the bit of advice that you read from other musicians that always hits home the most. I always use the Bob Dylan one. you got to write ten songs a day and throw away nine. Yeah. Um, but the first time I heard that, it was Noel Gallagher talking about it. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> but it's it's really right. you just got to write and write and write. The first big thing that I wrote for myself, I took a backgammon tactics book. And there were ten chapter headings. And I wrote them down. And I wrote a song about each of the chapter headings. Because I was just struggling with that initial inspiration. And I think sometimes, you know, you sit there with a blank page. And you look at it and you go, I got nothing. I don't know what I want to say today or how I feel today. And actually using those things to trigger, you know, using a crossword, looking through the newspaper, getting the dictionary and opening on a random page and finding a word you don't know. All those little things you use to start something off. I think sometimes people feel like it's cheating, but it's just giving you the kit you might need to actually sit down and go, right, I'm going to write a piece of music that starts here, ends here, and does this to get there. Um, and yeah, if you want to write songs, you've just got to train yourself to do that. Just got to write songs, yeah. If you I think... write songs, you just got to write songs. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think it's a good point. I think um, what you made me think of is the not expecting every song to be a, a great song, and that you know it's, you practice writing songs like you practice writing anything, or you practice doing anything, and like you know you might. Yeah, like Dylan says, you know, you do, do tend to get one good one out of it. So, like, taking the pressure off yourself, that's what I find is sometimes is, like, and, like, if I'm struggling to write something, right, that's why I like writing silly songs sometimes because it's just, like, you're not, you're not thinking, like, this has got to be my best song. It's just you're just practising writing songs, whether it's a song that you're actually going to play in front of anyone, if it makes any sense, if it's about board game rules, if it's something I random out of the dictionary, it's you practising putting a song together, aren't you? And that's what builds. So then, you when you know, every now and then you get one that, that really does the job. Yeah, and I think that approach for me really helps because I, I do think there are styles of writer and I am not really an editor. Like I know some people who will write one of the bands I used to be in, uh Yorno Antique, I worked the main songwriter was a guy called Jay and he was phenomenal. Not just at coming up with ideas, but editing things. So he would do everything on a computer and he would try out this melody for a chorus. And he'd be like, oh, I'm not quite sure that's right. So he would then put that melody and those words over a different song that he was working on 
to see if it worked better for that one. Yeah. And he would look at every single note and really tweak and really, and, and, and we did, I think we learned pretty much every song he ever wrote. Whereas I'll write a song and it'll go, bleh. <laughs> I think it goes like this, bleh. And things, things change over time, but, but mostly I, um, um, creating the finished piece as I go rather than sketching and um, I always use a visual art analogy because I think it's easier to see weirdly enough um, so that idea that you know you might have a few versions of a painting that you go through to get to exactly what you want whereas I'm much more chucking stuff and seeing what comes out and then the ones that I like I keep mm. and the ones that I don't it's rare that I come back to yeah it's something I've noticed about myself as well that I get I'm very excited about the initial the initial creative thing of making a song but then once once there's a, a version of it I find it very difficult to be motivated to go back and yeah refine it in some ways and I like to then just just play it over and over again and let it kind of feel like it kind of settles in yeah. work and you can work out your niggles as you go and yeah it's an interesting process isn't it yeah yeah cool so that's yes yeah, so that's, that's a good tip so it's basically just write yeah, a lot of right. songs so and it's not a good tip at all. <laughs> it's a very it's good a tip just tip. uh what's your songwriting tip right <laughs> it's like goes against everything that i would ever tell anyone to advise anyone to advise but but more specifically really true most it's writing songs and taking the pressure off each song being like being your hit i guess writing songs yeah. for the purpose of practicing writing songs yeah and uh using whatever inspiration you need to get started to do that and that's one other thing isn't it like, like every song you know like we were saying the nick cave thing about songs about love love god and death but songs can also be about your shopping list or yeah it can be you know whatever you need to do star trek to practice star trek yeah star trek. <laughs> my songs are, actually all my songs are about star trek <laughs> and often often yeah, it's one of them. the you know you might start off thinking you're writing a song about something trivial and then within it, it develops a deeper meaning, doesn't it? That happens a lot, yeah. I find, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, thanks for that. So uh, let's roll into section three. So I asked you to um, choose a song that means something to you uh, around bereavement and loss and those things. And um, I'm going to put the I'm going to put the link for the song in the description here. So the idea is if you're watching this, because I don't know if I can or not, but I've not figured out how to in either way of playing a song on the recording. <laughs> so whether it's legal or not, but I'm going to put the video link in the description. So if you'd like to pause the video and go and listen to the song, then you can do that and come back. And then Rob's going to tell us a bit about why he chose that song. Um, so do you want to tell us what song it is, Rob? And then then we'll, we'll have like a pause break. <laughs> uh, the song is Motion Picture Soundtrack by Radiohead. Cool. So if you want to go listen to that, you can pause us here. The link will be in the description. You can go watch it and then come back. So now do you want to tell us why you chose that song, Rob? I had listened to it this morning. Um, Radiohead, one of the bands that I always like, hear lots of good things about, but I've never like delved into myself as much. Um, but yeah. Um, I think I probably chose it because, I mean, it's a bit of an obvious one, I think. Um... I think the one of the things about it is the way that it it sounds like what it's about. Mm. Um, 
certainly the version on the album. There's, there's other versions of it you can find, and actually it's interesting because it was quite an old song when you were talking just then about songs that settle over time. Radiohead are a really great example of a band that will have a song that they wrote 10 years before they release it. So you can find really old demos of it. Um, and I was going to look this up before we did this and I didn't get a chance, but I think there's an organ sound at the start, which is the Royal Albert Hall organ. I think they were the first first pop band to be allowed to use it since, I want to say Pink Floyd. I'm not sure about that fact. I'm really not. But it's this, it's this organ sound. And, I, and for me, instantly, my granddad was an organist. So it comes in and you think, like now, these days, I didn't think it when I first heard it. Although there is something about the way that religion connects to death and the way that as soon as you hear something that that church organ sound for me represents, you know, weddings and funerals. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of beginnings and ends and there's, it's just such a rich sound. But then in the Radiohead song, connected with all this noise and fuzz and hiss and weirdness, that is one of the things that I really like about Radiohead. And then the first line is um, a little wine, some sleeping pills, help me get back to your arms, um, which is a heavy first line to feel confident enough to come in with. Yeah. But is one of the things radio do really well is they can be very explicit about things whilst leaving some sense of mystery in there as well and interpretation. And certainly I think for anyone who has had those thoughts about those sort of suicidal thoughts. It, it, sometimes the normal, the normality of it, which can be quite brutal and heavy and instant, and um, something as simple as that, that little line at the start there, those two things to get back to someone you've lost. It's certainly something that. I can empathize with and I think a lot of people can I think people are better at talking about it more than they used to be probably mm -hmm. um, and so I've always found that song quite quite heavy but with this kind of one of the other reasons that I chose Radiohead is because they are one of those bands that are uh, whingy <laughs> or uh, whiny. Um, there are a lot of lyrics in there that are heavy and are, you know, No Surprises is, is, is another one where, you know, there's some dark stuff in there. But, but I always get a sense of positivity, not just from, because there are lyrics that go against it as well. Um, I will see you in the next life is the last line of the song. And I think that's a positive view of it. Yeah. Like almost the person, the, the, the narrator in the song is had that initial thought, processed some stuff, 
and then going, well, I'll get there when I get there. Yeah. Um, and I get that from the music as well. You know, it's not, some of it can be dirty and miserable and, but it's always intricate and there's, there's always some element of hope in there. And it's always really groovy. Like people forget <laughs> that about radio. So I've seen radio live a few times and there's a lot of this going on. Well, it's the <laughs> stroking and people go, hmm, yeah. But actually the, the, the groove of it and the beats of it and the feel of it are always really great and give you that kind of contrasting view of there'll be an end to it, but right now we're in it. So we can think about both at the same time and, and be okay with it. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's a really good description of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, it's a powerful piece, and it? it's very atmospheric. And um, that's why I thought it really kind of pulls you into it. And then, yeah, and it's you know, like you say, the the instrumentation of it is kind of a bit. It's almost a bit unsettling, isn't it? It's quite uncomfortable mm-hmm. at times. So how it's, um, but then yeah, then the positive kind of outlook of that you'll get through. That that's you, you got to love songs where the, the music contextualizes the theme a bit, doesn't it? And yeah, so it's, yeah. The, it, the sound of it is the, is the the feeling it's um, describing, isn't it? Of being stuck in this difficult phase, but hoping you'll get through it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think it is. I think it is. And actually, you know, like I say, there's there's earlier versions of it, demos you can find. There's an acoustic one from quite early on that is quite straightforward. That'd strong. be interesting. Yeah. It's got an extra verse which doesn't isn't on the album version that is good but perhaps takes something away from the stuff that's come before. It's quite a short song as well, isn't it? Oh, you know me. Dude. That's quite yeah. <laughs> it's either gotta be two minutes or thirty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but anything in between I'm just just about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff, Rob. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for sharing it. Um no worries, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing this. I'm looking forward to uh, to doing some more. Maybe we'll do another one down the line at some point. I'll get to choose some more songs. We might have gone over 15 minutes. We might have done, yeah. I had an initial target, 15-minute sections, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've done quite a bit more. <laughs> but that's cool. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed tuning in. Um, like I said, I'm going to do these at least one a week, maybe two a week, depending on how um, how many I do. If you know any other songwriters you think would be interested in, uh, to do one of these with, uh, send me a message, send me an email. I'll try and sort it out. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to Rob for for doing this. Always a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to seeing you, hopefully in the flesh, again <laughs> before too soon, and writing some more songs with people. Cool. Thanks a lot. <laughs>